Father, we choose to worship you. We choose to lay down our lives for you. Father, we choose to bow down and yield to what you, what you want us to do. Father, you alone are, are worthy to be worshipped. And Father, we will, we will remind ourselves of that each and every day. Father, we, we will remind ourselves that there's no created being in all of the universe worthy to be worshipped. There's no created thing, Father, whether it's the heavens or the earth, Father, or any parts of those that are worthy to be worshipped. You have no beginning and you have no end, Father. That makes you worthy to be worshipped. You are kind and generous, Father. That makes you worthy to be worshipped. You are loving, Father, and patient. That makes you worthy to be worshipped. And Father, you've expressed your love to us, the people of the earth, by sending your very own Son. Father, that amount of love makes you worthy to be worshipped. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And Father, for all of these things, we give you praise and honor, Father. Thanksgiving in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Is the Lord good? Is he really worthy to be worshipped? Well, he is worthy to be worshipped. Amen. We thank him for his goodness and kindness. And so, um, welcome to Healing School. Amen. We get to talk about healing each and every week. And um, have we exhausted the topic of Healing School? You think after uh, the many years that we've been doing this that that we would have exhausted the whole concept of healing. But, um, of course, we're never really in a hurry to get through anything, are we? But uh, we sure have uh, been here a while, and, and uh, I don't see any end in sight. Amen? Uh, I think we could do this till the Lord Jesus comes back. Even if we end up repeating ourselves in some things, but, uh, you know, the nice thing about the Word of God is it's progressive revelation. And so the more we study, the more we learn. Amen? Uh, and so it's helpful here. So... We finished up uh, chapter 7 last week uh, in Dr. Lillian B. Yeoman's book, and uh, we're ready to start chapter 8. The title of this chapter is, How Shall I Curse Whom God Hath Not Cursed? Uh, and so uh, this was, these were the words that were uttered by our famous uh, Balaam. Remember uh, Balaam and the donkey? This is uh, the same fellow there, Balaam and the donkey. Let's turn back to the book of Numbers, chapter 22. And uh, Balaam has always been kind of an unusual um, person in the Old Testament because he wasn't a Jew. He wasn't a member of the household of Israel at all. He was just a fellow, but uh, he, was, he did able to, he was able to get some things done, even in the realm of the Spirit. But, uh, so we don't really know much about him other than the stories that, that, that's here. We don't really know where he came from or why he was able to do the things that he, he was able to do. And, uh, and, of course, if the Lord had thought that was important for us to know, he would have given that, us that information. But let's start here in, in uh, Numbers chapter 22. And let's just start in verse 1 here. It says, And the children of Israel went, uh, uh, set forward and pitched in the plains of Moab on this side, Jordan, by Jericho. Now, this is in the book of Numbers, so that means this is before uh, they crossed the Jordan River into the Promised Land, right? And this was... Um, this was under the authority of Moses. So when the children of Israel crossed over into the promised land, they were under the authority of uh, Joshua. So this is still uh, with Moses and, and out in the wilderness. Uh, and they had gotten close to this one group, the Moabs. Uh, and it says, 
in verse, uh, in verse 2. And Balak, the son of Zippor, was, uh, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites. So, you know, one of the things, if you, if you study kind of the Old Testament uh, movements of Israel, especially in the wilderness, you know, you remember when the spies were sent out in the land and they said that we were as grasshoppers in their sight. And, you know, they, they brought back a, an evil report to Moses and the nation of Israel. And then you fast forward all the way through the 40 years of the wilderness and you get on into the book of Joshua and you read about what the spies that he sent into the promised land. Uh, and uh, the first place they went to is Jericho and they found this harlot named Rahab. And she said, when we heard that you were headed our way, they, she said, our hearts did melt. Uh, and so for 40 years, they were, their hearts had melted. And that, that was her observation. Uh, and, and she wasn't a Jewish person. Of course, she became a, a, a Jewish person. She, she entered into the house of the Israel, ended up being in the bloodline of Jesus. Uh, she had more faith as a non-Jewish person than the actual Jewish spies had when they went into the promised land. Uh, but, but she observed that uh, when they heard, when people in Jericho had heard that the nation of Israel was headed their way, they all became afraid. For 40 years, they waited for the other shoe to drop, so to speak. Uh, and so, so, the, so these were some of the people that the Lord had told uh, Joshua to, to deal with. And, and it says here uh, that uh, uh, in verse 3, And Moab was sore afraid of the people because they were many. And Moab was distressed because of the children of Israel. And Moab said unto the children unto the elders of Midian now shall this company lick up all that are round about us as the ox licketh up the grass of the field and Balak the son of Zippor was king of the Moabites at that time he sent messengers therefore unto Balaam the son of Beor uh, to, uh, to Pethor which is by the river of the land of the children of, of the people to call him saying behold there is a people come out of Egypt behold they cover the face of the earth and they abide over against me. Come now, therefore, I pray thee, curse me this people, for they are too mighty for me. Per, peradventure I shall prevail that we may smite them, that I might drive them out of the land. For I want, or know uh, that he whom thou blessest is blessed and he whom thou cursest is cursed. So this was the deal that the king had sent to Balaam, come and curse the nation of Israel. Now, they didn't really know who, who these people were. Balaam didn't know who these people were. Uh, uh, Balak didn't know who the nation of Israel were. They just knew that there were people that came out of Egypt. And they, they heard of the rumors. They heard of the stories. But they didn't really know Jehovah God. They didn't know the history of, of Abraham. They just thought that these people came out of Egypt. And as far as they were concerned, that was the beginning of them. And they didn't know uh, where they had came from uh, after that. So they had asked, uh, they asked, um, the king asked Balaam to curse the people. So we're not going to go into all the story there because it's really uh, two chapters worth of stories here. And later on, we find out that uh, Balaam was killed somewhere else, kind of uh, in, a, in a very uh, unceremonious way. He just died, you know, in, in some of the battles there uh, as the nation of Israel conquered the, the promised land. Uh, but later on, uh, he comes down. And he tells, uh, he tells, uh, Balaam tells Balak, the king, he said, I can only do what the Lord tells me to do, right? Uh, and in fact, uh, in verse, uh, uh, 
We read that in verse 6 there. One translation says in verse 6, I know that he whom you bless is blessed, and he whom you curse is cursed. So, so somehow Balaam had that reputation that if you speak a blessing over somebody, they're blessed. If you speak a curse over somebody, they're cursed. Uh, and so uh, they went round and round about three different times uh, where Balak was telling Balaam to curse people, and, and uh, Balaam says, sure, I'll be glad to do it. And he goes off, and the Lord says, don't do that. And, and in fact, he prophesies sometimes by the Lord, and he's unable to curse the people. Uh, and so we get down to, uh, to verse 8 of, of chapter uh, 23. Uh, and, of course, this is Balaam. Balak had gotten mad uh, uh, at uh, Balaam. And Balaam replied in verse 8, says, How shall I curse whom God hath not cursed? How shall I defy whom the Lord hath not defied? So he's telling, uh, he's telling the king... Even if I try to, I can't do it. Uh, and this is something, you know, uh, we're learning from, he's not even a Jew and Israelite, but we're learning, uh, one of the things that we can learn from this is you know, a lot of times in the church, you hear a lot about curses. You know, you hear a lot about generational curses and a lot of the weird things like that. You know, generational curses aren't, aren't really a thing. People uh, think they're a thing, but they're not really a thing. In fact, uh, just real quick, we're in numbers there. Turn over to Exodus chapter 20 there. In Exodus chapter 20, of course, this is the Ten Commandments. Uh, but right in the middle of that, in verse 5, uh, he says, uh, Exodus 20, verse 5, Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. So he's talking about not having no other gods before him. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children of the third and fourth generation. Now, people stop right there. Because you can preach that. If you stop right there, you can preach that, right? Generational curses, right? It's, it's going to be, the iniquity is going to be visited upon the third and fourth generation. So see, generational curses are the thing. And if you'll send me a small offering, we can pray and get that off of your life, right? Uh, and, um, and that's kind of, you know, it's usually a, a sales gimmick, right? A marketing gimmick. But the problem is, is that where the verse stops? No, what's the end of that verse say? Uh, of the third and fourth generation of them that what? That hate me. So if the second generation doesn't hate the Lord, are they under a curse? No, if, if the, the second generation hates the Lord, are they under a curse? Well, they're under the general curse that everybody that hates God is, that the devil gets to do whatever he wants to do in their life. And so, uh, you know, you can call it a curse or you just call it stupidity or sin. You can call it whatever you want to. It's just the normal, I don't love God, I'm going to do what I want to do. And then so you get subject to whatever the king, of, uh, God of this earth, who is Lucifer, will, will add to your life. Amen. And so there's really no such thing as a general, because when people say generational curses, what they mean is nothing you can do about it. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're good or bad, nothing you can do about it. It's a curse. And so you're, you have to be under that curse until somebody with a special anointing like me can come and deliver you out from under that curse. Uh, well, that's not the case at all. If, you, if your parents hated God, but you don't hate God, you love God and go to, there's no curse. You know, you, you can be blessed there's no lingering effects of that as soon because as, as soon as you get saved, you're in a new family anyway. Uh, don't you have a new father when you get saved? Don't you have a new family when you get saved? So, you know, if your family loves God, then you're good. Well, you get a new family, it all loves God if you're, if you're a Christian, amen? Uh, and so, but that doesn't preach very good, does it? Amen? Uh, I, I remember one time years ago, my pastor, we had traveled to Africa for some, uh, some mission work there. And there was a big conference. It was... Uh, uh, there is a, a denomination, 
don't know if you call it denomination, but it's, it's basically a, a group of churches in Africa called AFM, Apostolic Faith Missions. And that was actually started by uh, John G. Lake uh, decades and decades ago, maybe over 100 years ago. Uh, and um, uh, so they had this big conference there, about 20,000 people, and my pastor uh, preached there. And so he was preaching against generational curses, which in that area, you know, they love, gener- they love preaching about generational curses. So, uh, so his message was not real popular with the leadership. It was really popular with the, with the people, but not really popular with the leader because the leadership would use that to, to hold it over people. So he had a translator who was changing the message as he translated because he didn't agree with the message that the my pastor was preaching, which is that generational curses aren't a thing. So you're kind of violating the very principle of being a translator, right? You're supposed to translate and say what the, what the guy is saying. But, of course, he was also a pastor of one of the churches, and so he didn't like that message because it took power from him, right? It, it, it gave power to the people to live free under the blessings of the Lord without uh, having to have somebody else to get you out of that. Uh, and so, that, of course, that wasn't very popular. But uh, so, so Balaam uh, was supposed to curse them, but he said, how shall I curse whom God hath not cursed? Uh, and there's a, there's a bunch of things in there that, that uh, are like that. Uh, uh, and he comes down to, uh, to the next chapter there uh, in verse 19. And, and, of course, we have quoted this verse. I've quoted this verse lots of times, you know. And sometimes we forget that this was actually a quote from a man not uh, in the nation of Israel, right? He wasn't a Jew. He wasn't a man of faith. He wasn't Abraham. But the Lord had ministered to some to Balaam um, and talked to him, and he revealed himself to Balaam to some extent. And Balaam, remember the donkey, right? The donkey spoke to Balaam, and he saw an angel there. An angel spoke to Balaam. So Balaam knew something about the spirit realm, and he got to know the Lord really quick. Uh, and, he, and Balaam spoke these words in Numbers 23, 19. He said, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he, shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? So these were some great words, right? But these were not words of a man of faith as far as the covenant of Israel goes. This was a, words uttered by a man who observed and learned who Jehovah God was and realized if he speaks it, it's a done deal. It doesn't, I can't say anything that would, that would come in conflict with that. Uh, and he goes on to say, after he says that down in uh, uh, verse 20, Behold, I have received commandment to bless, and he hath blessed, and I cannot reverse it. He hath not beheld iniquity of Jacob, neither hath he seen, hath he seen perverseness in, in Israel. The Lord his God is with him, and the shout of a king is among them. I love that phrase, the shout of a king is among them. And he said, surely, in verse 23, surely there is no enchantment against Jacob. Neither is there any divination against Israel. According to this time, it shall be said of Jacob and of Israel, what hath God wrought? Uh, And so so, uh, Balaam is getting to understand who Jehovah is. Uh, And he said, look, I can't make any any, uh, uh, curses against him. uh, There's really nothing I can do about it. And it's amazing to me, I hear people in a church on occasion talk about how they're afraid of being cursed, afraid, you know, which doctor said this or somebody said that against them. You know, you better watch it now. You're in big trouble. And uh, Balaam knew more about that than the church knows. Uh, Balaam knew that if if you're blessed of God, 
there's nothing you can do about it. You can't say anything against the church, amen? Uh, now, you have to live that way by faith, of course, uh, and that's really where the issue comes in is if we get into fear, oh, no, you know, a witch doctor spoke against us. You know, a voodoo doctor spoke against us. Uh, then what are we going to do? We're going to open ourselves up to the devil, aren't we? Uh, Paul said, neither give place to the devil. Uh, and so, so uh, Balaam knew more, really, than much of the church knew at some point in time. Amen? Uh, and so, so in response to that, then the king tells Balaam, uh, in verse 25, and Balak said unto Balaam, neither curse them at all, nor bless them at all. Uh, and so, in other words, just don't say anything. Just don't say anything, right? Because every time Balaam opened his mouth to curse Israel, the Spirit of God came upon him and he spoke blessings over Israel. And, and Balak's like, no, 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 you, not, that's not what I asked you to do. And Balaam's like, look, I can only say what God tells me to say, right? Uh, and so, you know, Balaam is being led by the Spirit of God more than the church is being led by the Spirit of God and, and is doing better, you know, even though, the, even though we have the Spirit of God in us, amen? Uh, and so, uh, and in the previous chapter, when, the, when they were first starting to interact, uh, Balaam was kind of laying down the rules with the king. And he said in, in, 20, in chapter 22, verse 18, he said, uh, and Balaam answered and said unto the servants of Balak, if Balak would give me his house full of silver and gold, I cannot go beyond the word of the Lord my God to do less or more. So, uh, so there was some relationship, and we don't know much about it, but there was some relationship between Balaam and the Lord God. And, and maybe he picked up about it. You know, the, the Bible says that the, even nature declares that there's a God. So maybe he figured out. He never did join the nation of Israel uh, like he should have, but, um, but he apparently did know something about God. And so he said, I cannot go beyond the word of the Lord my God to do less or more. You know, we, we could learn something from that, amen? Don't go, don't go beyond the word of the Lord, amen, to do less or more. You know, sometimes we, well, God heals, but not all the time. Well, that's less, right? Uh, and so, uh, of course, uh, more, you know, I don't, I don't know how we would get more than, than the word of the Lord, but we should do exactly what the word says. Uh, and he repeats himself in, this, in, the, in the, the next chapter, chapter 24, if Balak would give me his house full of silver and gold, I cannot go, be, go beyond the commandment of the Lord uh, to do either good or bad of mine own mind. But what the Lord saith, that will I speak. So uh, he understands there's boundaries in his life that he can't go beyond that. Amen. Uh, and so, so Balak tried to get uh, Balaam to curse Israel three different times. And, and, uh, and every time he did, they ended up... Uh, uh, he ended up blessing the nation of Israel. And, and so, of course, Balak's getting madder and madder. In verse uh, 10 of chapter 24, it says, And Balak the king's anger was kindled against Balaam. And he smote his hands together. And Balak said unto Balaam, I call thee to curse mine enemies. And behold, thou hast altogether blessed them these three times. Uh, and, and, and Balaam's like, look, I, like, he said, like I said, if you gave me all your silver and all your gold, I can only say the things that, I, that I'm told, amen. I can't go beyond that, amen. Uh, and so uh, he finally, uh, Balaam uh, starts prophesying, even gets worse uh, with uh, Balak. And he says, I shall see, uh, see him. This is in chapter 24, verse 17. I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob and a scepter uh, shall rise out of Israel. Now, he's really prophesying of the Messiah that's to come. And we got a man not of the nation of Israel prophesying about, about the, the Messiah. 
And he said, It shall smite the corners of Moab and destroy all the children of Sheth. Out of Jacob shall come he that shall have dominion and shall destroy him that remaineth of the city. And so in, in all of these stories here, uh, Balaam uh, is unable to curse Israel from the outside. And, and this is where it becomes really important is uh, even if he tried to, he couldn't curse them. Now, people can say things, but that doesn't mean it carries any weight, right? And Balaam was the man that the king knew that if he says it, that it's a done deal. So he had, he had developed his faith to the point that whatever he said was going to come to pass. And, you know, maybe part of that was with the Lord. Maybe part of it wasn't with the Lord. But he had developed a reputation. And so uh, that he was the man to go to if you wanted people to be cursed or people to be blessed. You know, and even in the world today, there's people that, you know, the go to. They go to the, you know, the voodoo doctors, you know, stick a pin in some, in some doll or something. And, uh, and of course, it's from, from the Lord's perspective, it's all foolishness and silly. Uh, but, you know, in the world, they're like, oh, you know, you don't mess with, you don't mess with them, voodoo doctors and, and all of those things. And so, and there's lots of stories where uh, people like John G. Lake went up against folks like this and uh, different ministers have gone up against folks, you know, people that really know the Spirit of God. And there's never any power in those things, amen? Uh, and so, uh, so he got to the point where... Um, he, there is no way that he could yield to the Spirit of God and curse Israel. So that should tell us something about us in the church, right? That we in the church, uh, there's, no, there's no person on the outside of the church that has the capacity, the faith, the power to curse us in the church. And that's, with, with, of course, with sickness and disease as well as anything, amen? Uh, and, and if we would believe that, we would at least be as spiritual as Balaam was here. Uh, but Balaam also knew the nature of people. And he also knew, you know, some, to some extent um, about how the Lord works. And so uh, we're in chapter 24. Just turn over to chapter 25 there. Uh, and, and he says here in verse 1, uh, In Israel abode uh, in, in Shittim, and the people began to commit whoredom with the daughters of Moab. And, and so, so now... Uh, this is, you know, uh, Balaam showed up in chapter 22. Uh, he said the famous words in chapter 23. He's still talking to the king in chapter 24. But then in chapter 25, uh, their, their uh, plan started shifting gears. And so instead of trying to, to curse the nation of Israel directly, uh, what they did was uh, they got the nation of Israel to start marrying and start, he said, commit whoredom with the daughters of Moab. And, of course, we don't know why that is, but then you, you got to go all the way down to chapter 31. And it says uh, in verse 16, Behold, these caused the children of Israel through the counsel of Balaam to commit trespass against the Lord in the matter of Peor, and there was a plague among the congregation of the Lord. So, here was the counsel of Balaam. Here was the counsel that uh, the king had asked him to curse Israel and said, look, I can't do that. It's just not going to be possible. Uh, but he said, what I can do is I, I can't curse them from the outside, but I can get the, them to shoot themselves in the foot from the inside. And you remember the Lord had told the nation of Israel, don't go marry uh, people outside of 
of our covenant, right? Don't go marry the people of, of the wilderness, especially the Moabites or the Amorites or the Hittites or anybody like that. Only marry people from within. Uh, and so what did Balaam do? He counseled the king. Well, we can't curse him directly, but over a period of time, we can get them to, to um, diminish their strength with the Lord by violating his word. Uh, and that's what, that's what he said. He said, uh, he, he said that the, through the counsel of Balaam to commit trespass against the Lord. And the trespass was to start committing whoredom with the daughters of Moab. Uh, and, you know, the enemy uh, today, he's no different. He knows that he doesn't have any direct ability to bring curses into our lives. Uh, he knows that he's constrained by the Spirit of God. He knows that he's constrained by our covenant relationship with the Lord. But, but what he can do, so he can't do that directly, but what he can do, he can do what Ephesians 4.27 says, which says, uh, neither give place to the devil. So, uh, and that word place there means license, right? Or privilege. So what he can do is get us to give him license or freedom or permission to come into our lives and bring destruction and, and uh, curses into our lives. Uh, and uh, so that's how, how tricky the devil is now, you know, the, and that's for people that really know what they're doing. People that don't know what they're doing, he can just come and say, I put a curse on you. And people, people will just immediately say, oh, I've got a curse on me. And he's like, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate for hooking up with me. Right. Uh, but for people of faith that really know the word of God, he'll come and say, I put a curse on you. And we're like, no, you didn't. You know, get out of my face. Get out of here. Uh, and, and, uh, and if we resist the devil, the Bible says he'll flee. Amen. So he may come and say, I put a curse on you. But if we resist him, the Bible says he'll flee. So he can't do that for certain groups of people in a church. So what he'll have to do is come in there sneakily, right? Come in there under cover of darkness and get us to, uh, to violate the word of God with our words or our actions. And we then give place to the devil. So instead of him coming to attack us directly like they wanted Balaam to do, that wasn't going to work. But what he can do is say, hey, you know, so-and-so, they're, they're, they're talking about you. So go gossip about them. And then you go gossip about them, right? Uh, or, you know, just tell a little white lie. It'll be okay. You know, just, it's just a little white lie. It's just to save their feelings, right? So it's, you don't hurt their feelings. Uh, and then you go start telling little white lies. Uh, or, you know, uh, we know God can heal, but, you know, he doesn't really heal all the time. You know, sometimes you, you just need to have medication. And you start saying, well, you know, sometimes God doesn't heal. Uh, well, what are you doing? Well, every time you do those things, you're opening the door or giving license or giving place to the devil in your life to operate because you can't do it directly. He can't come directly to you if you know faith to say, hey, you know, uh, I put sickness on you. Oh, no, you don't. You know, you don't put no sickness on me. Uh, so he can't do that. So, uh, you know, all of the, all these stories from way back in the Old Testament, uh, we understand that the whole point of this is how can the devil get into your life, right? And, and you think about how powerful God is, how amazing, I mean, he created the entire universe and he lives on the inside of you right now. How is it possible that there's ever a sick Christian anywhere? How is it possible that it's ever a Christian that's got any problems in life that they can't overcome immediately? Amen? Now, you know, there's always going to be problems that come into our life and we're not professing it. That's just this life, right? This is that we live in a fallen world. There's sin in the world. There's sinful people in the world. They're going to try to bring problems into your life. But we as a church have the right and the privilege to overcome all of those situations. This is the, this is the victory of the overcome of the faith. Or even, this is the victory of the overcome of the world, even our what? 
faith. And so our faith has the ability to overcome the entire world. So what is there that we can't overcome? Nothing. There's nothing that we can't overcome. So if there's nothing that we can't overcome, why are we ever overcome? Are we ever overcome? Well, plenty of times the church is overcome, right? Overcome with sickness and disease, overcome with mental illness, overcome with poverty and lack and, and depression and sadness. And we're overcome with the same problems that the world is overcome with. And yet, there's really technically no reason why we should be overcome with anything. If, the, if, if this is the victory that overcome of the world, even our faith, if that's a true statement, then there's nothing that can come from the outside no curses. I know people all the time will say, uh, you know, they come up to you and say, um, well, you know, uh, flu's coming around. You're probably going to get it like everybody else. And then we get afraid. Oh, no, I bind that in the name of Jesus. You know, I bind those, those words in the name of Jesus. Well, and, and we don't even realize we're playing into that fear. Because we, we think that if they said it, it's going to come upon us. Well, I don't receive that in the name of Jesus. Well, were you going to receive it? You know, there's nothing that can come against you directly un until you choose to accept it. So, if you, and really, for the most part, there's no need, even need to respond to that. There, there's no need to respond to much of those things like that. Now, if the Lord tells you to, that's fine. But a lot of it is just, it just, it has no power. Balaam had no power over Israel. Now, they weren't like, we bind Balaam's in the name of Jesus. They weren't binding nothing. They weren't doing anything at all. They were doing nothing in response to the threat that the king had asked the prophet to curse them. They weren't in intercession. They weren't committing sacrifices in order to, to block the curses of this prophet. They were doing literally nothing. And yet, how many times in the church do we do things just, just in case, right? Well, I heard someone, you know, someone drove by and threw a curse on the church. Oh, you better go anoint it with oil, you know, plead the blood of Jesus, you know. Uh, uh, put some, some, some uh, dead animals around the edges of the, of the property. Oh, that's voodoo there. We don't do that. Uh, but you got to do something, right? You can't just let it go. You got to do something. I don't receive that in the name of Jesus. I bind that in the name of Jesus. <clears throat> why are we so afraid? Why, why do we live in fear? Why are we afraid that that might have some power? Balaam, not even a, a member of the house of the Israel, knew better. He said, I can't bless whom the Lord is blessed. I can't, I can't curse whom the Lord is blessed, right? And that, that that's the very first thing that we read, right? Uh, he said, how shall I curse whom the Lord has not cursed? So, so these things uh, could not come from the outside. So Balaam was, was smart enough to realize, yeah, but we can get them to shoot themselves in the foot. And, and really, if you, you, know, if you look at the tactics of the, of the devil today in the church, you know, the tactics of the devil in the church... It's not like he's coming against the church with these mighty strong armies and these mighty strong devils and he's just attacking the church and we're falling under the, the, the battle of these devils and, and there's all this great spiritual warfare. And I know spiritual warfare is a real thing, but if you look at how much of the church is overcome, it's overcome by, by internal conflict, by internal words that, that we ourselves open up the devil our own selves and we ourselves give license to the devil through his trickery and you know through his cunning craftiness you know those, those are real things right he does he does bring uh thoughts and words into our life that we then hook up with and we open up the door to the devil and that's really the majority of how he operates in the church they're very subtle they're very they're very uh uh you know quiet it's not like a like a, a, a 
devil army tank rolls up in your front yard and, and uh, turns his cannon towards your house. And you go, oh, I'll bind that devil in Jesus' name. No, it's usually just he sends an email. It says, hey, you know, uh, I'm pretty sure so-and-so is talking about you. Well, I can't believe them. They're sorry people are talking about me all the time. They're no couch. You know, I'm gonna, you think they're going to talk about me? I'm going to talk about them. You know, that'll show them. And, uh, and, and you do it against me, I'm going to do it against you, right? We sound just like the world, a lot of things like that. And that's how he does it. So he, under the counsel of Balaam, he got them to, to commit trespass against the Lord. Amen? In fact, uh, we had read uh, earlier there, from back in Numbers 23, he said, Behold, I have received commandment to bless, and he hath blessed, and I cannot reverse it. So Balaam said that he had received commandment from the Lord, from the Lord himself, to bless, uh, and he hath blessed, and I cannot reverse it. See, you cannot reverse the blessings of the Lord from an outside influence. And we should stand strong in the church and, and stop uh, acting so, oh, you know, it's just so hard. And, and, and you know, the, the, the devil came against me and I lost the battle. And No, it, it's uh, even in the Old Testament, the curse couldn't come from God on the out, or the outside. Uh, the only way that the, the, the enemy, uh, the nation of Israel could be cursed is from the inside. Amen. In fact, uh, um, turn back over to, to Deuteronomy chapter 28. I, don't, I know we know this, uh, the, these verses here. We're not going to read them all. But it's a, good, it's a good summary, right? And he says here in Deuteronomy chapter 28, let's just read verse 1. Uh, it says, And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently to the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all of his commandments, which I command thee this day, but the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. And then he goes on down and lists about 27 different blessings that will come about because of your obedience to the Lord. And notice that if you, if you do what he says to do, you're blessed everywhere. And if you're blessed everywhere, where are you cursed? Well, you're not cursed anywhere, right? Uh, and so he, he goes through that list of, of blessings and then he comes down to verse 15. But it shall come to pass if Balaam the prophet curses you that there's no hope in your life. Is that what it says? Uh, but it shall come to pass if the enemy of mankind comes against you that you're cursed with a curse. Is that what it says? No, it's not what it says at all, right? It says, in fact, verse 15. But it shall come to pass if you will not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe to do all of his commandments and his statutes which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. Uh, and then he goes through, uh, now he went through 27 blessings. He goes through 81 curses. You know, why? Because the devil loves to heap up uh, on you, right? Uh, and so, but the point of it is, uh, the, the only way that the curse can come is uh, from, your own, from your own actions. Whose choice is it to obey the Lord thy God? It's my choice, right? Uh, whose choice is it to disobey the Lord thy God? It's my choice, amen? So is it my choice to be blessed? It is. Is it my choice to be cursed? It is, amen? Now look, uh, just because the devil comes against you doesn't mean you're cursed. Uh, you've got to do something about that. And if you will do something about it, he'll come against you and you'll defeat him and, and you'll move on, amen? So it's, it doesn't mean that, that the devil never comes knocking on your door to try to do something. But you've got to decide what you're going to do. Are you going to open the door and let him in? Fix him breakfast, right? Uh, fluff up his pillow. Here, let me make you comfortable, right? I mean, some people are like, uh, would you like some water? 
Here, let me get you some water. I mean, they, they invite the devil in, get him a drink, nice, cool, uh, you know, what show you like watching TV? You know, you like, you know okay, check that, check, okay, let's watch that. Uh, I mean, they invite him in and fix him dinner and, and make him, uh, are you staying the night? Uh, okay. <laughs> let me go get you clean sheets, right? Towels are on a bed. You, you know, you're welcome to stay as long as you like. Well, that's the wrong response, right? But people do that all the time, uh, all the time, amen? And they invite him in and, 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 and the devil's like, thanks, I'll just set up shop or I'll just stick around for a while. Okay, well, you know. Okay, let me know when you're going to leave, okay? Uh, and, and we don't do what we're supposed to do, which when the dog comes knock our door and you look out there and go, oh, it's just him. And you don't even bother opening it. You, know, you don't have to open it and go, I curse you, devil. You just walk away, right? I love this story. I know I've told it many times, but uh, when Smith Wilgersworth was around, he woke up in the middle of the night and, and it wasn't a demon. It wasn't a devil. It was the devil. It was uh, Satan was there in his room and he sees him. He, you know, because uh, Smith Wilkinsworth operated in, in the, the gifts of the spirit, uh, specifically uh, in, in um, uh, discerning of spirits. And he sees the devil. And he says, oh, it's just you. And he rolls over and goes back to sleep. He didn't bind him, didn't curse him, didn't plead the blood of Jesus, didn't do the crucifix, didn't throw holy water on him. Didn't, he didn't do anything. You know, it's just you. And that should be our response. To the, it's just you. Oh, it's just you. It's just, it's just that. Uh, and, and sometimes, you know, some attack comes against us and we're like, oh, it's this, it's this big attack, you know, it's coming against me. And we should be uh, learning from our elders that were successful anyway, right? I mean, you know, you can learn from anybody, but you should learn from people that are successful. That's what I want to learn. I don't want to learn from people that are fails, you know, I fail you. One person was told me that, you know, the person I follow, they get up and preach one time. They said, you know, I never have any, any, any miracles operating in my life. They go, well, why are you following them? If they're not doing anything for the Lord. Why are you following them? Why, why is that somebody that you want to be like? I want to be just like them. Well, you're already like them. You, you know, you start out like them with no power in your life. Why do you want to pursue that? But, you know, they didn't ask my opinion, so I didn't give it to them, but I didn't think about it. Uh, and so, so the devil, you know, you think about it, he hasn't changed his tactics at all. This is Deuteronomy chapter 28. It's the fifth book of the Bible. And we have not learned this, that the only way that blessings can come is by yourself. The only way that curses can come is by yourself. Not from your mama, not from your daddy, not from your, your ancestors, right? I mean, you go down to places like New Orleans where there's a lot of voodoo, a lot of, lot of uh, you know, witch doctor type of people down there. And they've got all kinds of superstitions, even in the church, all kinds of weird superstitions. Oh, you know, can't sit over there, you know, because that, you know, that, that, that part of there is cursed. You know, they, I don't that have any weird things like that. But they have a lot of weird things that they talk about, Amen. And they think that, that uh, superstition is just doing something in the natural realm that's going to open up the devil. And, and people do things like that all the time, even in the church. You know, you, oh, you can't, you know, you got you to gotta sprinkle, holy, you bring, if you buy a TV, you got to sprinkle holy water because, you know, you don't bring that devil TV into your house. Well, I mean, it's just a TV, right? There's nothing spiritual or unspiritual about it, amen? And so uh, people have all kinds of weird things. So uh, Balaam was smart. Uh, he knew he couldn't do it, a direct attack against the nation of Israel, but he did say uh, to the king, get them to you know, start seeing how beautiful your women are. Get them to start seeing that it's to their advantage to marry uh, the women from your tribe. Because have you seen the people of Israel? I mean, you know, they need an upgrade, right? And so, you know, go show them your women and, and, and show them. Well, of course, you know, I, I don't really know what the women look like in Israel, but, uh, but whatever they did, they, they got him to commit whoredom with the daughters of Moab. And the Lord had already, 
had already told them, don't be doing that. Amen. Uh, and so, so can we, can we learn things from this? You know, now this is Old Testament, right? The story of Balaam's Old Testament. The stories here in Deuteronomy chapter 28 are Old Testament. People say, well, that's under the law. You know, that doesn't matter. These principles are still true today. The principle that, that the only way that a curse can come is by your own direct uh, approval. Amen. The curse, uh, in fact, you know, the Bible does say that the curse causeless cannot, shall not come. But, and people use that in, in different contexts. But really, the only way that the curse can come is by you choosing to uh, open up the door for the devil. And that was the, that was the case in the Old Testament. That's the case in the New Testament. Amen. And so, of course, we know that uh, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, I'll uh, just read this here. Uh, it says, uh, talking about the nation of Israel in verse 11, Now all of these things happened unto them for examples, and they are written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come. So uh, what we're supposed to do, instead of ignoring the Old Testament, which we shouldn't ignore the Old Testament, we should look at these stories and find out how do they apply to me today, right? How, do, how does this story apply to me in my life, right? How does the story with Balaam apply to me? Well, the thing I like about Balaam is Balaam's like, look, I have no power to put a curse on Israel. You know, I, I could say the words, but if the Lord has blessed them, I can't, I can't curse them, right? How can I curse whom the Lord has not cursed? Well, surely that's at least true for us today in, as the church, right? Because they weren't the church. They were the covenant people of Israel, uh, his, his chosen people, but they weren't, you know, we are actually members of the body of Christ. We are actual children of the Most High God. They were servants of the Most High God, but we are children of the Most High God. So surely we've got an upgrade, right? Of course, we know Hebrews chapter 8 so that we, we have a better covenant based upon better promises. So we can still learn some of these things, though. Even though they were servants of the Lord only, they were not subject to any ex external curses. Well, then, as you as the children of God, are you subject to any external curses? No. Uh, and uh, with the nation of Israel, they could only be cursed when they chose to not follow the Lord's will. Is that true today? It's still true today because uh, several places, including Ephesians 4.27, says neither give place to the devil. So you can choose to open up the door to the devil. They could choose to open up the door to the devil. And how did they do it in the Old Testament? Well, they did it specifically with the nation of Israel and Balaam and Balak. They did it by going and having relations with women outside of the nation of Israel that the Lord specifically forbade them to do. And so what did they do? Well, they opened up the door to, to the devil, right? And then they were able to be attacked and to be defeated. Well, we can learn that, right? We can learn that same principle, amen? The specifics may not be the same. We don't sacrifice to, in order to cover our bases or anything like that. But we can learn in general. And, and so usually when you're studying the Old Testament, you're learning from general principles, right? You, you can't take it to the nth degree and follow exactly because then you've got to go kill a mammal or something, right? Shed some blood somewhere, uh, in order to protect yourself. Well, so you can't take it all the way, but you can learn some of these principles if they line up with the Word of God. So we know from the Word of God that uh, the only way that we can uh, have the devil operating in our life is if we give place or give license to the devil. Well, that's exactly the way they worked in the Old Testament. Amen? So, so then, then you've got, you know, then you start asking yourself, well, then uh, how do we get sick? Right? Why, why does a Christian ever get sick? Well, you know, first of all, 
you know, there's a general principle of faith that if you live in as a general principle of faith, it's kind of like with your body that, uh, you know, if you could see in your body how many germs and viruses that your body just took care of naturally without you doing anything, no interaction, no double vitamin C or no gizzard cleaner or no, no, no special anything, your body just takes care of it. And you don't, you don't even have any idea about it. If you get to heaven, you realize, wow, you know, I can't believe all those things, infections and all kinds of germs and viruses in my body destroyed without my direct interaction. But then sometimes, you know, the devil comes against you and, and brings some kind of symptom to you. Sometimes you need to apply faith in that particular uh, area in order to overcome. And, you know, you have to be led by the Spirit of God in order to know, know when you do that. So the thing that the thing I want to get across is, uh, number one, don't judge people uh, in these things. If, if somebody is sick, don't look at them and go, wow, I wonder, I wonder how they opened up the door to the devil there. I wonder what they did to get themselves cursed. You know, that, that would get yourself in trouble really quick. Amen. Because there could be a thousand and one reasons why they're sick. Amen. And now for you, you can ask the Lord directly, Lord, why am I sick? And he may, there may be a reason. There may not be a reason. You know, maybe you just didn't get on it quick enough. Maybe you didn't, uh, you know, because you, you, uh, you, the nice thing about being a Christian is we have the Spirit of God. He will direct us. He will show you, hey, in this case, you need to take authority over that and, and deal with that. No problem. Some things, you know. You don't have to do anything with it. Just your body is already blessed because it carries the Spirit of God with it. It'll deal with it on its own. Amen. So you've got to be led by the Spirit of God. So, uh, so you, you can never know why people are sick. This is just one reason, right? This is uh, where maybe you've opened up the doors to the devil and given license to, to the devil through your words or through your actions. But, you know, there's plenty of times when people get sick uh, because they, they don't deal with it in faith. It wasn't that they were in sin it wasn't that they violated the commandment of the lord somewhere they just they got a symptom and they just didn't deal with it you know and the lord tried to instruct them hey curse this thing and it'll be gone and they just they got busy they didn't get around to it or maybe they were a little weak in faith you know it could be a thousand one reasons for it other times they could be in sin opening up the door to the devil so we don't know amen so don't don't uh, take this one situation here where uh, Balaam couldn't curse them, but they could get themselves cursed by their own actions and apply that to every circumstance, amen, because you'll get yourself in trouble. So there, there, you know, there are, in fact, Deuteronomy 29, uh, 29 says that the secret things belong unto the Lord our God. But those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever. So uh, if, if it's dealing with somebody else, that's between them and the Lord, amen? Uh, you don't, and for you to ask the Lord... Uh, you know, his response be maybe, well, what's it to you, nosy, right? Well, why do you want to know? Uh, you know, can, can you not pray for them without knowing? You could pray for them, Lord, help them, show them, give them insight about how to overcome the sickness and disease, speak life and health to their bodies uh, in the name of Jesus. A lot of things you can do without knowing the cause of it, amen? And so, you know, there, there, there can be secret things between the, the Lord and somebody else, and, and it's really none of your business, amen? Now, you know, sometimes the Lord can show you different things. And, you know, I, I think I've told you plenty of times the stories of praying for people that were sick over a long period of time. And, you know, they were, they were chronically ill. And, and uh, Lord, you know, I, I want to know why. I want to know why this person is sick. I want to know because I, I wanted to help them. I, there, I wanted somehow to find out if there was a cause. Now, uh, in that particular case, uh, I prayed for them for many years. Uh, Lord, I want to know why. And it wasn't about being nosy. It was, 
on the outside, this person looked like just a saint of God. You know, there was no cause that I could tell. They weren't out gossiping, out back gambling, you know, rolling the dice and playing quarters or whatever it is, you know, in the back of the church somewhere, doing things they ought not be doing. Uh, you know, there was no, no evidence that I could tell from the outside. As far as I could tell, they were a very uh, godly person. And they were. They were a very kind and, and generous person. Uh, and, uh, but they had chronic uh, back disease, you know, po- chronic uh, back pains and surgeries and plenty of surgeries over the years. Uh, and so I started asking the Lord. In fact, I asked other people, uh, uh, other ministers, why is this sometimes people don't seem to get healed? <clears throat> And they didn't really have an answer for me. Now, I could give you a lot of answers today uh, from the Word of God. Uh, but I was just talking to another minister. This is, you know, probably 25 years ago. Just asking them, you know, you know, why is that? Why is it that some people seem like they've got chronic sickness and they can't go over that one thing? Other areas of their life, they're very, they're very successful, right? And so some people say, well, they must be cursed. They got it, obviously, they're cursed. Got to curse with a curse. Probably a generational curse, right? Probably their great-great-grandfather said something mean against the Lord and that's it, right? Uh, well, well, it's not my job to judge, amen? Uh, and so, but the Lord knows, amen? And, and so I would pray for them, and the Lord never said, it's none of your business. If he said it's none of your business, I would have moved on and never asked him again, right? But he never said that. So I kept praying over the years, uh, and uh, Lord, I want to know. And I was talking to them uh, one time, the, the same person, uh, and um, uh, we were just chit-chatting, and everything was fine, everything was good. But they'd had a lot of interaction with people, like all we all do, right? And some people have been unkind to them. And uh, ever had anybody unkind to you? Well, you know, we've all had people be unkind towards us. And, um, and, and you know, again, this person was the nicest, kindest person. And, and right in the middle of a conversation, they were talking about these people. And they said, well, all these people have done things to me. You know, you know, I'm not one to hold unforgiveness, but. And, you know, and then, then it all, then they just open up the gate, Right. But, you know, I can't stand them and I'm never going to love them. And, you know, I'm never going to, you know, pray for them. And I hope the earth opens up and eats them all. And, I mean, just on and on. All, all the bitterness started coming out. Now, I wasn't trying to find anything out. They, and right in the middle of this kind of this monologue of them, you know, kind of talking about how these people have done things terrible to them. And they're going to, you know, they can't forgive them. And uh, the Lord spoke to me. He said, and, and you can see it, right? You point a finger. That right there is why they can't get healed. Now, are those things real? Did those people do those things to them? They were real. They really did them. But that's, a, that's you know, the, the sad part about that is now they have to suffer under that twice. They have to suffer under the initial unkindness, but then they have to suffer because of their own unforgiveness as well. Their own unforgiveness, you know, those words, those unkind words, they don't have to hurt you, right? You can choose, we, we were here this morning, you can choose not to let those things hurt you. And, and if you do, then you're good. But sometimes people get hurt by the words of others or the actions of others, and then they get into unforgiveness, so now they're doubled up. Now they have the conflict of the unkind words and the, and the hurts and the emotional stress that they're under because of those words. But they're also under the curse of the devil where they've, they've given him place because now they're going to stay in unforgiveness. Well, I'll show you. I'll never talk to you again the rest of my life. You know, Well, how is that helping you? It never helps you to be in unforgiveness. Well, and it doesn't hurt them either. You don't think that you think they care? They don't care. They're glad for it because they know if they can get you mad, you know, the, the, the devil loves it, right? He knows that uh, he can get you in unforgiveness. And a lot of times he'll do that. He'll bring people into your life, not because he knows that they can bring a curse, but he, he'll bring them into your life so that you can curse yourself. So they'll come and do something to you and then you get in unforgiveness to them 
And then I was like, thanks, I've got it. You know, there'll be a new package of sickness delivered to your house on Monday morning. Thank you for being unforgiveness. Well, that's terrible, right? It's, it's an awful place to be, but that happens, amen? So you can't be cursed from the outside. See, that person bringing that unkindness to you, that can't hurt you. If you don't want it to, it can't hurt you at all. They don't even have to hurt your feelings if you choose not to. And so, uh, but the point of them bringing that into your life is so that you will open up the door to the devil. And you will be like Balaam who gave, who gave counsel to the king. You can't attack him from the outside, but you can attack him from the inside. Uh, and, and that is the unfortunate part that we live in the church, right? That you can't be attacked from the outside, but you can be attacked from the inside if you choose to allow those things to happen, amen? Uh, and you get mad, you get an unforgiveness, you get in bitterness, and, and now it's all doubled up, right? Uh, and so, so it does, it does matter, um, it, it does matter um, uh, how you respond and how you live in this life, right? And, and then one more thing, and, and then, we'll, then we'll go here. Um, uh, it, and back to, about Deuteronomy, about those things being secret. So uh, when you're praying for others and you're dealing with other people that are sick, uh, don't, don't try to judge them and, and, and assume that because there's sickness and disease, uh, that, um, that they must have some secret sin, right? Uh, and then uh, I put it, just put a note in here about, uh, about being careful to not determine whether we can be healed based on the success or failure, failures of others, right? Uh, and again, this, this just goes back to, you know, reviewing our own reason why, we're, why there's sickness in our life. Uh, and, uh, and again, this is how the devil operates, is uh, he will have other people. Now, he can't attack you again directly oftentimes, but he'll have people around you fail. And, and he's waiting for you to hook up with their failures. Uh, and, and he's like, well, you know, uh, flu's coming around. Everybody's getting it. Uh, and, and if everybody's getting it, I'm probably next. And it, that was like, thank you. It'll be there Tuesday morning, right? And, and so he's just waiting for you, right? So he's trying to get you to open up the door, right? And it's the same exact process that Balaam used in the Old Testament. Exactly the same, right? Not any different. That, and, and so we're supposed to learn from that. Uh, and so, of course, we know this uh, from Psalm uh, 91. It says in verse 7, that a thousand shall fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Is that true? That's a true statement. So uh, the statement of, uh, well, everybody's getting it. Uh, is that a valid thing to say, that I'm going to get it? No, because what's Psalm 91 say, 7 say? If they all get it, I'm still not going to get it. Well, you know, you just, you're going to get it eventually, right? Oh, I, I plead the blood of Jesus, you know. Okay, uh, what's that mean, right? I don't know what that means, but, you know, you could do it anyway, I guess. Uh, no, uh, uh, see, the, the reason why a thousand are falling at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, because it, had, it hadn't got you to fail yet, it hadn't got you to fall yet. And so he, a lot of times he'll bring other people around you to, to fall because of their lack of faith or their whatever. And again, we're not judging anybody, but if they're falling, they're falling. And, and he's trying to get you to hook up with them. I guess I'm next. I guess if I, you know, I guess I'm number 10,001, right? You just watch and see. Uh, I remember uh, uh, someone was telling me about this mother. She had a child. And, and you know, sometimes this happens where the, the mother went to a doctor with her child and said, hey, he, he's got some sickness. Doctors looked at the child. No, there's nothing wrong with this kid. He's fine. Well, you don't know nothing. She went to another doctor. He's got, he's got, some, he's got something wrong with him. Pokes and prod, you know, whatever. No, he seemed to be fine. She went to like five different doctors. And finally, they're like, well, he might have. To. I knew it. I knew he had something. 
well, no, I mean, somewhere between four and five, the devil's like, thank you, you know, it'll be delivered on Tuesday, right? Uh, and, and not realizing that she was the one who opened up the door for her own son to get sick because she's confessing it, hoping it, desiring it to be. And that's just messed up, right? Uh, and some people are, are that way. Uh, and, you know, it never ceases to amaze me in the area of sickness and disease how it's almost a religious event for people, right? You know, they say, oh, you know, what have you got? Oh, well, I've got this. Oh, you think I've got something too, you know? Mine's even worse than yours. And it's almost like this, this great, uh, interesting thing, you know, that they talk about and they, I mean, they'll talk about it for hours, right? Oh, well, you got, you know, it's a, my granddaddy's got it, you know, my mother's side, you know, and it passed down for, I mean, we've checked the history books. You've gone all the way back to, you know, uh, Ancestry.com. Everybody had this, this, you know, the gout, right, on their left foot. And they all died of gout, you know, so I'm probably the next, right? I'm probably going to get gout in my left foot and I'll die for too long, right? Uh, and they'll just, they'll, they'll just talk about these things. And, and, uh, and uh, they never read Psalm 91.7. doesn't matter if your whole family died from it. It ain't coming to me, you know. It's like my, my, my dad died of heart disease. Uh, my oldest brother died of heart disease. Um, my, uh, another one of my brothers, he died with some heart, heart sickness. Um, I've got six brothers and four sisters. If they all die of heart disease, now I'm not confessing they're going to die of heart disease, but they all die of heart disease. I'm not dying of heart disease. Uh, I've got a brand new heart, amen? Uh, and so, uh, so we can learn from these things we can learn from Balaam that he could not from the outside bring a curse to the nation of Israel. It had to come from the inside. Nothing's new, nothing's different in the Old Testament for you. There's no sickness that can come to you from the outside that you can't deal with, but the, the devil's trying to find a way from the inside for you to hook up with it, right? for you to confess those things. And then once he gets that, then he knows he's got you, amen? So you guys want to answer a few questions and then we'll go? So uh, question number one says, according to... Numbers twenty three nineteen. God is not a man that he should what? You know, you shouldn't even have to say that God doesn't lie. But does it help to say that God doesn't lie? It does help to say God doesn't lie, right? Because if people say, well, God used to heal, but he doesn't anymore. You know what that makes God? A liar. Because he said he would heal you. He said, he's, in fact, he's the Lord that heals you. Uh, how many different times did Balaam try to curse God? Three different times. How many times was Balaam able to curse God's people? None, right? Uh, and so, uh, can we and can we always know why some people get sick? No, according to what? Deuteronomy 29, uh, 29 right? That, that that secret things belong to the Lord. Amen. In uh, in in dealing with other people, now sometimes you can talk to them, just like I was talking to that one person, and their words can reveal to you. Why they're sick. It's like, oh, okay, well, that makes sense, right? Uh, you're not judging them. You just, whatever they say, it's like, oh, yeah, that, that makes sense, right? And so, and the last question is, is if sister so-and-so gets sick, then it must be God's will that I get sick, or then it, it is God's will that I get sick. Is that true or false? Why is it false? Because of what? We've been redeemed from the curse, and what scripture do we read in Psalms that says that's so? Psalm 91.7, right? A thousand should follow my side, 10,000 in my right hand. So just because sister so-and-so gets it, does that mean that you've got to get it? No, it doesn't mean you've got to get it. What about COVID-19? Is that covered in Psalm 91.7? It's covered in Psalm 91.7, amen? Uh, and so, so let's, let's learn from Balaam that these things have to come from the inside. Uh, probably 95% of the time, right? They come from the inside. Uh, and then the other 5% is just things that, because we live in a fallen world, they're going to try to come on your body. And then you've got to deal with it, amen? You, sometimes you still got to deal with it. 
but um, we'll talk some more about that as we go on. So let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God. And, Father, we thank you that uh, the example that you've given to us in your word, that, that these curses that, that the nation of Israel fell under were, were self-inflicted, Father. They didn't come from an outside force, an outside enemy, or an outside army. They came from the words and the actions of the nation of Israel themselves, Father. And so, Lord, we can learn from that because your word says in the New Testament to neither give place to the devil. And that means that we have the capacity to give place to the devil or to give license to the devil. And so, Father, we can choose to do it or we can choose not to do it. So, Father, we choose as an act of, will, of our will to never give place to the devil. And in doing so, Father, we can live lives of divine help all the days of our lives. We thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, you should go back and read the story from like chapter 22, uh, 23, 24, 25 of Balaam. It's just kind of interesting to see how he was able to, um, uh, to trick the nation of Israel into falling, you know, and uh, uh, succumb to some of these uh, other nations, amen, by their own words. So, uh, well, let's get ready to receive this afternoon's offering, and then we'll pick up, uh, we got through a whole chapter in one day, what about that, right? Of course, some of these chapters in these books are pretty short there, so... Uh, that's fine, right? Uh, we, don't, we don't have anywhere to be. To, uh, to be. Uh, and I've been looking at the next book that we're going to be uh, studying, and uh, I think I'm really looking forward to it. So, uh, But I'm not going to tell you what it is yet. So, All right, well, come ahead, Mr. Jared, and receive the offering. <clears throat> and um, uh, we'll be back next week, right? And, and of course, uh, last Sunday we were here with uh, Dr. Larry Hutton. Did you enjoy his uh, uh, testimony about that, that uh, growth that was on his face? That was pretty amazing, wasn't it? I think it'd been okay if he didn't show us that picture, though, you know. Um, that was disgusting. But, uh, um, you know, a lot of times that'll happen and people will start whispering, he must have some secret sin, right? Uh, he, he must be doing something wrong. You know, he's probably gambling his money away or something, right? And they start judging you. And it's like, look, it just happened, right? The, uh, it, now, no doubt if there was some cause for it, the Lord would have told him and showed him, but he overcame it, didn't he? Yep. Amen. And as far as I know, there wasn't any specific cause. It just happened because it happened. Amen. Uh, and so we'll be blessed. Have a wonderful week of Lord, and we'll see you next Sunday. Right?